Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're blessed by this podcast, please subscribe. Once you're subscribed, you'll be able to stay up to date with all our latest messages. In this special prophecy update from our good friend Don Stewart, we will be looking at the prophetic signs happening right now that prove the Bible is true. Thank you, Craig. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, hi, everybody. How are we doing? It is so nice to be here. Now, so we got some lighting problem on the stage here, right? Does that have something to do with daylight saving time? I, it's got to. It's got to. I, uh, at 5.30 this morning, even though it was 4.30 body time, my white cat came in and announced, you know, it's an hour now later, so you have to feed us at 5.30, no matter even if it's 4.30 body time. So I had to feed the cats. I mean, it's nuts, isn't it? It's, uh, so anyway, it's, it's, it's just weird. You know, since the last time I saw you guys, a lot of interesting things have happened in the world. It's really fascinating now. You know, I've got... Uh, my oldest daughter is studying in England. It's really nice now that soon I won't be able to have to fly over to England. I can take the train from New York to London, can I? And um, really looking forward to that. Uh, who, yeah, what, a, what a world we live in, right? Um, what an interesting world. You really, you really can't make this stuff up. Every single day, there are things that happen that you think, is this, you know, is this the bizarro world or what that we're living in? It's very, very, very strange. Um, Let's, let's turn first to John 14. I want to read a passage. I want to talk about a number of things tonight. John 14, the first six verses, very, very familiar to all of us because it's the type of encouragement we need right now in the day and age in which we live, uh, big time. This, of course, is the Upper Room Discourse, the Lord Jesus speaking to the disciples on the night of his betrayal. He says, don't let your hearts be distressed or troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. There are many dwelling places in my Father's house. Otherwise, I would have told you, because I am going away to make ready a place for you. And if I go and make ready a place for you, I will come again. Amen. Isn't that great? And take you to be with me, so that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know the way where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus replied, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Isn't that great uh, hope that we have and truth in Jesus Christ that uh, one way to get to the one God through the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, many of you know Tom does a fabulous job, by the way. you got such a great pastor here. On, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, he's so much in demand everywhere as a speaker, all these conferences, this and that. And you know why he's that good. And he does a fabulous job on Tuesdays on uh, breaking news. In fact, I'm going to be interviewing him for Focus Point right afterwards for the play, not this Tuesday, but the next Tuesday. And uh, I'm just so thankful for him for the wonderful job he does, the ability he has to make Bible prophecy, the things clear. And uh, there are very few like him, so I hope you're praying for him all the time. And not ta- you are good, not taking him for granted. Anyway, uh, many of you know we do the uh, breaking news program Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And it's got to the place now where I'm, I'm, I've lost, I'm really lost for words. I want to give you an idea here before in the talk of what my topics tomorrow. You know, we're, all, we're supposed to have 10 different headlines, 10 different ones to run, you know, as a crawl underneath when they're doing the program. We've already got 26. I don't know which ones to put. I want you to listen to these things that are going on right now. Okay. Incendiary balloons carrying missile warhead land in Israel-Gaza border area. Satellite photos indicate North Korea preparing for possible launch. 
Here's good news. America is set to surpass Saudi Arabia in a remarkable oil milestone. You know that? We're going to be the biggest producer in the world now. All right, here we go. Representative Ilhan Omar. Yeah, that's okay. You feel free. Uh, says, <laughs> now, now listen to this. How dare you say this? Obama was able to get away with murder because he had a pretty face and a smile. She, yeah, she actually dissed Obama. And in the, I, I was going to say, if you're a Democrat, you don't diss God there, right? But anyway, I won't say that. But that's their perspective. But then uh, she claims her comments about Obama were distorted. Then she posts an audio confirming exactly everything she said. I mean, is this world nuts or what? Um, there's another story about her and what they call the Corbynization of the American left. You know, in Britain, there is a prime minister, in, uh, oh, not, he's in waiting in the Labor Party, Jeremy Corbyn, who is a Marxist anti-Semite to the nth degree. And he's getting this close to getting to the main office there. Um, in fact, his supporters lamented that the Berlin Wall came down. Can you believe that? And uh, things like that, uh, they support the rockets on Israel. That's his inner circle right there. A Dutch Islamic scholar said, no Western country has successfully integrated Muslims. Jerusalem's chief rabbis argue while Muslims retake the Temple Mount. Ten now here we go, this one here. Tennessee and, God bless these people, Tennessee and Georgia state houses passed fetal heartbeat abortion bans. Isn't that wonderful? Um, <laughs> finally, some good news here. Angela Merkel from Germany predicts Muslim German, uh, Angela Merkel ally, now listen to this, predicts Muslim German chancellor by 2030 of Germany. Yeah, okay, I mean, look at, listen to these things. Uh, here we go, Ilhan Omar again. She takes a victory lap. Anti-Semitism resolution was the first vote against anti-Muslim bigotry. And then, of course, fact check. That was false. There was one right after 9-11. Uh, uh, here we go. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, folding on anti-Semitism, proves Ocasio-Cortez really is the boss. Yeah, Democrats block motion condemning illegal aliens voting in American elections. Did you know that story? They blocked the motion condemning illegal alien vote. Democrats did. Um, tensions rise over the gate of mercy in Jerusalem, but no clashes reported. This is an interesting headline from Israel National News. Has the final battle for Jerusalem begun? Isn't that interesting from a secular paper? 2020 Democrats normalize anti-Semitism by defending Ilhan Omar. Representative Ted Deutsch, a Jewish Democrat from South Florida, calls out lawmakers from both parties on anti-Semitism. Erdogan says Turkey will not go back on missile defense deal with Russia. And then you've got the hypocrisy of the hard left. This is in England. It's, it's kind of a biography of this Jeremy Corbyn character. And then the last one, will biochips mark the end of personal privacy? Man, I, can you imagine? This is just in two days, these stories. Every week, you know, I, I have the three hours to do, and I, I end up not only doing the stories, but probably end up with 50 or 60 stories per week I can't get to. That's how much is going on today in our world. That's why it's such an exciting time to be alive. We are living in a very thrilling time. So what I'd like to do today, tonight, is go through a couple of the main uh, stories that we just talked about and kind of look at them and uh, deal with them and uh, you know, kind of put them in perspective here so we can understand what's going on. There's so many, I was, I was thinking, which ones do I do? That's kind of the, the problem here because there's so many things going on. So we'll look at these. And uh, first one here, this is a fascinating story. 
uh, last week or it was a week before these kind of run together, there is a story about Silicon Valley and about the billionaires there in Silicon Valley, Jeff Bezos, Peter Thiel, uh, some of the others there, the Google guys. When you're a billionaire, you've got everything, right, that you want and need, more than you can ever spend. So what do you spend your time doing? You know what they're spending their time doing now? Trying to figure out how to live longer or live eternally. They're trying to, seriously, they're trying to find the secret of eternal life. Now, I kid you not. And there's one character said, well, you know, human beings with the bodies we have now, all of us ought to live at least 125 years. I said, you kidding me? 125 years in these bodies? I don't think so. But what's interesting, as I was reading the story, this isn't new. This isn't new at all. The, they're in China. They had a, an elixir of immortality that it was done, uh, you know, for like 2,000 years ago. They were looking for immortality back in China some 2,000 years ago. That was a story last week. Look what happened today. Elixir, elixir of immortality is discovered in China for the first time. Now, they found it. They found it. Now, the trouble is, these people that drank it still died. They're still in the grave right though. They didn't cheat death. But the fabled elixir of immortality mentioned throughout the ancient Chinese text has been discovered in a bronze pot hidden inside a 2,000-year-old burial tomb, experts say. China's rich and powerful search for a magical potion over thousands of years that would bring them eternal life. The mythical quest for the non-existent cure was inevitably unsuccessful and instead yielded a drink, which is thought to have spelled, uh, uh, cast a spell like alcohol. The container was unearthed from the Western Han Dynasty, 202 BC to 8 AD. A noble family, and uh, amongst the noble family there, it contained six pints of the concoction, but it didn't work. All right, here's the first thing. Uh, isn't it interesting now where we're at in the 21st century, that people are looking for answers to eternal life to live in these bodies forever. In other words, they realize that this life, as much as they have, it's not enough. I remember Pastor Chuck used to say, so you have a 28-room house. You can only be in one room at a time, right? <laughs> so you have 10 bathrooms. You can only use one at a time. So you have 15 bedrooms. You can only sleep in one at a time. You have five swimming pools. Again, you can only use one at a time. The point is, people are looking for answers now beyond what the material world gives them. And I think that's interesting. The story came up uh, yesterday or last night after we did the story last week about these uh, billionaires in, in Silicon Valley trying to think, you know, I got to live forever, you know, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm fading away here. I've got all the money I, I need, and I don't know how much more time I'll have in this world. And so to me, it's interesting. They're looking for something that God has already offered to each and every person through Jesus Christ. You, there, you know, we just read, he is the way, the truth, and the life. If you come to him, you will have an eternal relationship with God the Father. Later in John 17, 3, Jesus himself says, this is eternal life that they may know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life begins, actually, you know, the moment we come into a relationship with Christ. It never ends. We already experience an eternal life here. When we go to be with the Lord, it just continues on and on and on. But I thought it's interesting. One of the stories we've seen, and more and more recently, there was one about six months ago, but I'm seeing more and more of these where these billionaire guys are getting out of, you know, you know, they've got more than enough money that, than they can ever spend trying to find out how they can live longer, how they can be immortal. I don't know if you saw the story, Jeff Bezos, he wants to put, he said, I'm not kidding you, a trillion people in outer space, a trillion people in outer space to, you know, to seed all the planets around us. So we'll have a thousand new Mozarts, a thousand new Einsteins. See, again, 
this life here, if you don't have Christ, no matter what you have, it's just not enough. And so as we get closer and closer to the time of the end, people will start seeking these crazy things to do to try and live forever. But again, the answer is so simple. A child can do it by saying yes to the Lord Jesus and yes to eternal life. So I thought that was interesting. The uh, uh, elixir of immortality discovered right after we did all these studies where, th that, you know, that was tried in the past and these guys still, you know, uh, assumed room temperature. They, they still died. And so uh, interesting. Now, here we go. This one here is a story that um, we've talked about many times. I'm sure Tom's talked about before. We had that conference recently in uh, Vietnam with uh, President Trump and Little Rocket Man. And, uh, it didn't, and nothing happened there. But uh, really interestingly, one of the things that, uh, remember there was a reactor that was destroyed in Syria in 2007. The Israelis destroyed it. And at the time, everybody was saying, how dare you do it, come into a sovereign country and do that. Well, this is a nuclear reactor. It almost got on board. You know, it was funded by Iran. But you know who built it? It was North Korea. North Korea. And so the headline of this story is, are Iran and North Korea working together to build nuclear weapons and missiles to deliver them? Here we go. We live in a global world right now where everything is connected. So don't think because they're down way down south in there in the Korean Peninsula that somehow they're not intricately integrated in the Middle East. North Korea has serviced for years the Syrians, the Iranians, and others with missile technology and the such like. And this is a really interesting story. Uh, President Trump, uh, despite being widely criticized for a failed summit in Hanoi last week, was absolutely right in walking away from it in these denuclearization talks. Now, there's a post that our, our good friend Joe Rosenberg did a, a story in the Jerusalem Post. And what he said is what's at stake here is not just the urgency of, stalking, of stopping one rogue regime hell-bent on becoming a full-blown nuclear power, but two, North Korea and Iran. So as we've you know, turn our, our face to so many issues in the world. North Korea and Iran is where we want to keep our eyes. Now, as we've talked about before here, it is literally amazing and mind-boggling how the Lord has set the stage at the time of the end, who would be the players and who would not be, where to keep our eyes. And Iran is the country that we're looking at. And I'll tell you what's so amazing about that. If we were doing this talk in, in the year 1973, uh, and I said something like, at the time of the end, Iran would be, you know, the, uh, the, the state, biggest state sponsor of terrorism, a country working with North Korea to develop a bomb to destroy, you know, the big Satan, the U.S., the little Satan, Israel. Uh, you would think I'm crazy because at that particular time, Iran was the best friend of Israel. It, they were the ones who helped resupply Israel during the Yom Kippur War. And them, them in the United States literally helped, uh, you know, Israel win that, that war in 1973. And yet the Bible says that in the last days, Iran will be one of the great enemies of Israel. And so that's why years and years ago, Pastor Chuck Smith, when he was still alive, used to tell the story when he was in uh, Israel in the mid-70s, talking to these Israeli generals. He, and he's up at the border of Lebanon, Syria, and Israel, but Israel's northern border. He said, fellas, what you got to worry about in the future is not this country you see over here, not Lebanon, not Syria. Your biggest enemy is going to be Iran. And when he said that, they laughed at him. Chuck, Iran. What do you mean, Iran? They're our best friend. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. And Chuck says, no, no, no. Iran's going to be your worst enemy. 
few years later, and the reason I'm saying this, we just had the 40th anniversary here of the takeover of Iran, the deposing of the Shah of Iran, takeover by the Ayatollah Khomeini, the Islamic Republic of Iran. And what happened? After a few years, Iran turned from the best friend of Israel to now an Islamic Republic, and Israel is their worst enemy because the Bible said that's going to happen. And Chuck always used to like to tell the story. Once that happened, you get all these calls from Israeli generals, you know, <laughs> what's going to happen next, you know, from Israel? And basically, he says this, and, and here's the bottom line. It's in the book. It's in the book, and we want to keep coming back to that. God tells us the scenario, the picture that we're going to see at the time of the end. It's in the book. And two of the things that are the most prominent that we see at the time of the end, uh, many of you know I wrote a book called 25 Signs We're Near the End. Two of the ones I keep coming up over and over and over with are the persecution of two different groups, the Christians and the Jews. They're the groups that will be persecuted more than anybody else at the time of the end. And who do we see persecution today coming against? Well, guess what? It is the Christians and it is the Jews. So we're seeing that uh, today. The Christians and Jews being persecuted like, like no other group on the face of the earth. Now, what we saw in Congress this last week was a total huge embarrassment. This representative, Ilhan Omar, uh, from Muslim congresswoman from uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis area, basically has been making anti-Semitic statements. Well, she's been doing it for years, but now she's got in, in Congress and started attacking Israel, and claiming that there's certain people in the, in the Senate and the House that are pawns, as it were, you know, for the, you know, for the Israel government. They're just shills for Israel. And the Jewish, you know, representatives, many, most of them Democrats, were appalled at something like that. So they wanted to have a resolution to, you know, to decry anti-Semitism. But here shows you the different world we're already in in the last few months. They were going to put, you know, uh, they were come up with a resolution decrying anti-Semitism. But Nancy Pelosi, who is unfortunately for, the Dem for her not in charge anymore of the House of Representatives, they had this re resolution, said, wait, wait a minute now. We just don't want to start with anti-Semitism here. We want to talk about all hate. So let's start talking about Islamophobia. Let's put that in. And someone else says, well, how about, you know, Black Lives Matter? Let's just talk about that too, you know, anti a racial thing. Well, let's talk about, and they start going across the board. So finally, the resolution they passed, you know what it condemned? All hate. We're against all hate. Whoopee. You know, I mean, that is, that is a great resolution. But what it did it was an insult to the Jewish people. Because Representative Omar, I don't know if you saw the press release, her and her friend Rashida Tlaib, the other Muslim that was uh, elected along with AOC, you know, um, that Einstein there from uh, New York. Anyway, the three of them put together this press release. You know what they said first after this, this resolution was done? We're thankful that the Congress of the United States of America, this is one of my stories, the Democratic Congress, House of Representatives, condemned Islamophobia. It's the first thing she said. Like the whole resolution was against Islamophobia. She goes on two paragraphs of that. We also condemn anti-Semitism, you know, anti-racial stuff, blah, blah, blah. But they turned it around. She is the one that condemned Israel, as it were. And now, according to her, they, you know, the way she's, uh, you know, basically spinning it, we are now condemning uh, Islamophobia because that needs to get done because, all, and all the, you know, the attacks against, which the non- attacks against Muslims. They say it's there in the United States. It's just not there. But see, here's how things are changing so fast. 
that is literally mind-boggling. The progressives in just a short time in this new, you know, era, this new uh, house that just started in January, what do we find them doing? We find them condemning, you know, um, not anti-Semitism, but Islamophobia. Now, again, of course we're against all forms of hate. You didn't, you learn that kind of the first or second grade, you're supposed to yeah. be that way, you know, that's what we're all supposed to be. But what we're seeing now, again, is that the refusal, the absolute refusal to condemn anti-Semitism. Why do we say this? We say this because the Bible specifically says at the time of the end, there will be anti-Semitism going on. The Jews will be persecuted. We will see that longer and longer to the place where the book of Zechariah tells us at the very time of the end, when Jerusalem is surrounded by armies, Israel will have no friend whatsoever, none, not a zero in the world. So we're seeing the rise of that right now. Now, one of the things that hit me when I was thinking about this and also about Christian persecution at the time of the end, you ever look at it this way? According to the Bible, at the time of the end, there will still be Jews. And assuming there will be a nation of Israel, a nation that will be persecuted. You can't persecute someone that doesn't exist. So the claim is the Jews as a distinct people will not only exist until the time of the end, they will exist to the place to be persecuted, proving the Bible predicted the, that you know, this people will still continue on. Now, why is that profound? Well, the Jews are a number of uh, one of many peoples that lived during the Old Testament, many people groups. Scripture spoke against their, uh, you know, the, the uh, staying power of a number of them. You're not going to see any more Philistines, according to Scripture. You're not going to see any more Edomites, any more Moabites, any more Amalekites, any more um, Amorites. None of them. Because the Bible says, because they have attacked God's people, the Jews, they will no longer exist. And these people groups have not existed since the first century AD. They don't anymore as a distinct people. But the Jews exist in the last days. Now, also, think about it this way. The Christians are going to be persecuted up until the time of the end. Scripture talks about that. But what does that assume? It assumes there will be people who still believe in Jesus in the last days. This was recorded two thousand years ago when the Christian faith was just starting out where it's a small band of people in the Roman Empire. Their leader had been crucified. You know, the disciples, you know, we know the story. We're going to deal with it next month. The disciples all left there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter and John eventually followed after. John was the only one there visible at the time Jesus was crucified. It looked like the story was all over. Of course it wasn't. Uh, the Bible said he came back from the dead three days after his death on Calvary's cross, uh, you know, and it was seen by many people. And the message was going to go out, according to Jesus, to the entire world. He would be with his people till the end of the age, but they would indeed suffer persecution. So think about it. According to Scripture, 2,000 years ago, at the time of the end, they're going to be Jews. They're going to be Christians. They're both going to be the two groups persecuted. Who are the two groups right now in 2019 are the most persecuted in the world? The Christians and the Jews. And the House of Representatives in the United States of America cannot find in their heart the, the idea to put some type of a resolution together to condemn anti-Semitism. And that, of course, is the, you know, basically picking on the Jews, centering on them. Like I said, Jeremy Corbyn, this man at the head of the Labor Party in, uh, in England, an anti-Semite, he's had about seven or eight members of the Labor Party quit because of his anti-Semitism. There's one woman, I think her name, Joan Allen, she's not a Christian, I'm not, excuse me, not a Jew, uh, she's an Anglo, but she, a Labor member, a Labor member in good standing, she has decided to quit the Labor Party. You know what the result? been 
death threats. She quit it over anti-Semitism of the leadership. So what we're seeing here, we're seeing the same thing happen in France, we're seeing the same thing happen across Europe. We're getting closer and closer to the time where we're going to revisit the Holocaust of the Second World War. We're going to revisit a time like this. Now, we know the time of the Great Tribulation is going to be even worse, but we're leading up to that. So the scripture warns us about this. But it, it's kind of frightening when we see it firsthand. We see Christians persecuted and Jews persecuted. But let me tell you, I never in my wildest nightmares ever thought I would see the day when a governor of a state in the United States of America would say, you know, once that child is born, the mother and the doctors will decide whether that child lives or not. In other words, infanticide. Uh, Ralph Northern from Virginia, you know the story. New York uh, with uh, Governor Cuomo lights up pink, the, uh, the uh, Empire State Building and that, uh, because of this law they passed basically I'm sure Tom's talked about what the law consists of. Not only abortion on demand, abortion can be performed by anybody. You don't have to have a medical license. Anybody can do it. It's, you know, up until the time of birth. And when that was done, it was applauded as something great. Then Virginia was going to do them one better. And this is what led all that to happen. You've got this one woman, her last name, Kathy Tran. Uh, she basically put a bill before the legislature. Now, it didn't, fortunately, they tabled it. It didn't pass. But the idea was this would be abortion. And one of the Republican representatives says, now, wait a minute now. If I read your bill right, this abortion can take place at the last minute. True? And he says, yeah. He said, does that mean when the woman is dilating, you can still perform the abortion according to your bill? And he thought for a second, yeah, it does. Now, can you imagine that? And then when they asked the governor about that, he went one better. Well, after that child is born, then we can decide, you know, if, you know, the, well, to make the child comfortable, resuscitate him or her if necessary, decide if that child lives or dies. Gang, it's going to get a lot worse. New Mexico is in the process of passing a bill that says every uh, health care provider in the state, everyone, doctor, nurse, whatever it might be, must, must perform abortions. Uh, there's no conscience clause whatsoever in that. If you do not, you could be fined or lose your job. That's, that's the bill that's coming across now in the state of New Mexico. New Mexico is also, it's also, yeah, it is New Mexico, I believe, that the, uh, they did, uh, do you see the Second Amendment bill they did? Now that it's going to be illegal to sell a gun at a private sale to another person, they're going to make it illegal, a crime, if you sell a gun, you know, to your son, to your, your uncle, your cousin, your neighbor, a private gun sale will now be made illegal in the state of New Mexico. And something like 33 out of the 36 sheriffs in the, in the different counties have said, oh, we're not going to, you know, prosecute that. We're not going to go after that. It's called the Second Amendment to the Constitution here. But see, these are the things we're seeing, but they're happening so fast, our heads are spinning, aren't they? We never would have believed the day where we see people argue and applaud over infanticide, killing children once they're born. But again, this is the big slippery slope there, and this is the world that we live in right now. So as we see these headlines every day, what we're reminded of are the words of Jesus. When you begin to see these things come to pass, lift up your head and look up, for your redemption draws nigh persecution of Christians, persecution of Jews, the idea of life doesn't mean anything. In fact, in the bill in New York, I believe it was the New York one, that they didn't even define the, the baby, the fetus, as a living person. They didn't want to do that because they wanted to basically have free reign of what to do with that, that child. 
And when we get to this place, it reminds me what Billy Graham said. If God doesn't judge America, he's got to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah because of what we're doing right now. Who would have thunk we'd have seen these things, gang? But you know something? It's going to get worse and worse and worse. It is, again, mind-boggling. The Green New Deal. Okay, you've heard about that. I was joking about that. Right, no airplanes in 10 years, right? None. Um, no internal combustion engine. Wind, you know, wind power, uh, solar power is what it's going to be. We're going to have, uh, you know, again, the joke, that's why I made the joke, going over to London by, by train. We'll have high-speed trains in America. Uh, aren't we working on some high-speed train here in California? Well, how, how's that working out for us here? You know, uh, going to get it built across the country in 10 years. You know what they've argued for? Every single house in the entire country needs to be refab, configured to be friendly, to be green friendly. Now, you think these people aren't serious. They are serious because they think capitalism is a thing of the past. There is a study I just saw, a poll that was done, I believe it's by Axios. One half of the, I think it's 25 and below students that were, that were surveyed, one half of them, thought, you know, socialism isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing after all. We need to bust them all to Venezuela tonight, but, but uh, they, they'll, they'll have, they have less lighting than I have right there. You just saw that there. The, the, Venezuela's gone dark, the socialist paradise there. They have to bring candles with them on the bus when they go there. But the point is simply this. We're seeing this happen, not only in our country, but in Israel. Now, here's another huge story, and that is the Israel elections that are happening the 9th of April. Benjamin Netanyahu and the Likud party have a, a group of people called the Blue and White Party that are basically... Uh, you know, going up against them. They claim they're, they're a center-left party. They're a progressive party. Let me tell you um, how, how ridiculous they are. Three times in the past of Israel, Yitzhak Rabin, Ariel Sharon, and Ehud Barak, generals, were elected as the prime ministers. Every single one, an absolute disaster. Who they have now? Another ex-general they want to be prime minister, this guy, Benny Gantz. You put down a list of your candidates in order of the people who, you, who are going to serve under you, the woman who is going to be, she's the top woman on the list. She was a former news broadcaster. I think she's going to be the energy secretary if these guys get in power. They asked her, what are we going to do about this billion-dollar natural gas reserve off the, off the you know, coast, off the coast of Haifa? You know what she said? We're not going to do anything with it. We're going to just leave it there because we need wind power. We need solar power. Who cares? There's billions. I mean, this is the lunacy that's there right now in our world. Now, people say this can't be happening. It is, and it's only going to get worse and worse and worse. Now, the good news is that's why we always smile at them. and we know the Lord's coming back and to straighten it all out. But can you imagine... When people, and that's why many people don't look at these stories, they don't look at them, they don't look at them at face value, and they don't want to face what's going on right now in our world because they can't believe how bad it's getting, and it's only going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. We go to Jerusalem next, the Temple Mount. Uh, we did uh, the story uh, about the temple for you. I think it was the last time we were here talking about the Jews, Jerusalem, and the coming temple. There is more f factions going and going on there right now and fighting in the city of Jerusalem on that. The, there's the um, Eastern Gate, the very famous Golden Gate, where the Messiah is going to come through. It's been uh, shut since AD 1187. Well, on the inside of that, there was an area that was blocked off since 2003 uh, from the, the public there. Well, Islam decided, well, no, we're not going to. There's an inside gate there that leads to a, 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 a room in there. 
we don't like that idea. So they broke down the gate and basically now are, you know, sitting in and building another mosque on the Temple Mount. Now, the reason they're doing it there, and here is the reason why, it's blocking the Golden Gate. They figure this, if we have a mosque there blocking the Golden Gate, then Israel's Messiah can't come back. Yeah, okay. You think, anyway, that's going to stop the Lord Jesus from returning? I don't think so. But that's the sort of things we're seeing right now. So these things in the headlines, the Temple Mount in the headlines, the persecution of Jews and Christians in the headlines. You've got, you know, the idea of, of half of now of the young kids in the United States of America think socialism isn't a bad idea. And all you want to ask them is, where have you ever seen it, you know, uh, you know, f thrive? And the answer is nowhere. And so what do you have in a world? You have a world that's lost. You have a world that, that's lacking hope. You have a world that's looking, like I said, to the richest people in the world, looking now to do what? To find eternal life in these bodies here. But you know something? We have a message tonight and a message that uh, says you don't have to look beyond you don't have to look, uh, you know, to some Silicon Valley billionaire to give you eternal life, extend that. Eternal life is found in the person of Jesus Christ, God the Son, the way, the truth, and the life. And we have a message, a message to pronounce to the world, to proclaim. The Bible warns us about these times, the perilous times that are coming, the specific threats we're going to see persecution of Christians, persecution of Jews, denial of, you know, of truth, uh, people's hearts failing them for fear for what's going on in the world, people calling good bad and evil good, you know, this is sort of thing. And things that probably, you know, if we were, I was talking to someone earlier, if we look back just 10 years in the world we are living in and compare that to where we are now, we wouldn't believe how it's changed, how it's changed. But see, one of the things we have to do is get this perspective that because it keeps changing so rapidly, we, we don't, it's not impressed upon us how this world has changed. Um, I had a professor once that gave this illustration to us college students. I never forgot that because it kind of puts into perspective what we're seeing right now. We need to be aware of this. He's talking about, you know, this is uh, we're like a you know freshman year in college, second year, and he's talking about, okay, uh, we'll give this okay, young guys. You're gonna, you're trying to, you've got a young lady. You want to impress her. You know, you really think she's somebody special, so you want to do a, a very special date. So you go to one of these fancy restaurants, you know, you go out to one of them, and uh, because you want to uh, impress her, you know, you, you, you do that. This is what a lot of guys do, all right? So you take her to this fancy restaurant. Now, one thing in, that's consistent in the fancy restaurant, they're dark, right? You can't see anything. You know, you, you have to almost have to lead you by hand to the table. You get there. And you're, they give you the menu, and you know you're looking at it, and all of a sudden, you know you order something. You order something for her, then as you begin to see the menu, you realize the price there, and you clutch your heart, you know, because you couldn't see that. Well, then in a few minutes, he said, you look around this restaurant, and all of a sudden, it's light. It's light everywhere. Is it because the restaurant got lighter? And he said, no. It's because you got used to the darkness. And I'm afraid we are getting too used to the darkness. Things do not bother us anymore like we have seen in the past that would have 
offended us. Again, we just go back a couple years of someone, you know, arguing for infanticide, someone not wanting to stand up and say anti-Semitism is wrong, someone saying that, you know, um, socialism is the way to go for Americans. You know, we do that. You know, someone ought to teach these people history. That was tried when the pilgrims got here. You know the story, don't you? William Bradford, the, uh, the Mayflower Compact, they get to the country, and what they do, you know, they say, okay, we're going to do everything equal. Everything's going to get the same exact share no matter how much work you do you're going to get the same reward well what happened well there were certain people well, if I'm getting the same reward as this guy what am I working for and the, the guy that's working hard thinking what am I working hard if, if this guy here is not working so what happened was there was you know there there was a hubbub about that and a, and a mutiny and all of a sudden Bradford thought well hmm I'm going to give an incentive if you work and produce so much whatever extra you can produce you can sell it and make some money for yourself. So all of a sudden, people got to work because they figure work is something that's good. The Garden of Eden, God established that. Remember with Adam, by the sweat of your brow, you will work, you will earn a living. It's gonna be difficult in this world. But see, again, the world is telling us that there are simpler ways. Now, let's move on. There's so many subjects. We can move on to another one, technology. Almost every single day, I have a new story of technology. The, and one of our signs is the exponential increase of technology, gene editing. Do you hear the story about the, the guy in China that took this, these, these twins? The twins were the, uh, the twins from a, um, a father who had the HIV virus. They didn't want it passed on, so I think it was, you know, before they were born, they were, the genes were edited of these two young babies that were born, so they won't have, you know, the gene to keep them from getting the HIV virus. So basically what they're doing is playing God with the people, you know, with these kids in the womb. Now they were born, you know, they're about a year old, but what are going to be the long-term results? We don't know. We don't know what's going on because, you know, you don't tinker with what God has done, the biology that's there. God has made the human body this, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made, as David said. Yet what we have now, more and more people are doing all these interesting genetic experiments and, you know, and trying to tinker and make things better. Now, of course, we understand trying to get rid of disease, but when you start trying to play God and making a Superman, and again, this comes with the whole idea of living forever, eternal life, that's what we're doing, and only God knows what the long-term results are, or if you will, create some type of monster. So we're seeing that go on right now. Why? Again, here's the reason, because people believe there's no God, we are here by blind chance, we're a mistake of evolution, so we can tinker with what's ever here to bring on the next generation of supermen, superwomen, and maybe we will live immortally, maybe we will have trillions of people out in outer space, as just Bezos said. So what we're seeing is literally all of this is a rebellion against God. It's, it's, you know, an atheist is someone who says God doesn't exist. Now, there's practical atheists and theoretical atheists. Uh, practical atheists, you know, live as though God doesn't exist, you know, that every day they could, but theoretical atheists said God doesn't exist. But most people in this world, unfortunately, are practical atheists. They don't live thinking they're going to stand before God someday. And that's the world in which we live. These are the things we're seeing right now in our very lives, every single day. The exponential increase of technology, the sign of the preparations of the third temple, the persecution of Christians, the persecution of Jews, the hearts, again, the fear that's there, the lawlessness and the violence that's here in the world. And again, one of the signs, plagues and pestilence of the, at the time of the end. 
again, I get uh, there's so many stories. I could do a story an hour a day on each of these 25 signs on bioterrorism, you know, things or just th terrorism, uh, things in nature that are, you know, could cause, you know, they're worried about this. There was a story we had last week called Disease X. It's the disease that hasn't even happened yet, but they think it's going to kill like, like the Spanish flu did in 1918, like, uh, you know, what, 100 million people or something like that worldwide because they're waiting for the next one to happen because it's only a matter of time. Not only do we see these things in nature, there's things that are being produced in the laboratory right now to attempt to do that. I did a conference a number of years ago in Appleton, Wisconsin, talking about, you know, biotechnology, bioterrorism, this or that. A woman came up to me afterwards, and she, she looked at me, this very solemn look on her face, and she says, I teach microbiology in the university, and she says, you don't know the half of it. Yeah. And again, the world in which we live, terrors on every side we see, from technology, from you know, pestilence, plagues, persecution, lawlessness, the such like. What's the answer? Again, it's the answer we read at the very beginning. I am the way, Jesus said, the truth and the life. No one that comes to the Father, no one comes to the Father but by me. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. But don't you love what he said at the beginning? Don't let your heart be afraid. Don't let it be trouble. That's the message I have for you today, because when we read all these things, we see them. If we're not burying our heads in the sands, we would be afraid, wouldn't we? We would be troubled with everything we see, but we're not, because we know who we are. We know why we're here. We know, we know what's going to happen to us when we die. You know, the Romans had a problem with the early Christians. They couldn't do anything to them. They took them out, you know, to the Colosseum, you know, in the gladiatorial battles or take them out to the lions. And the Christian says, fine. They would go out singing because they knew they would be in the presence of their Lord right away. And it was very frustrating for the early Romans to know what to do with this sect, this cult, because no matter what you did to them, it didn't faze them because they knew that they were going to see their Lord face to face. And that's why when we used to do, I remember many years ago, go world news briefing with Pastor Chuck Smith. I would always ask him at the end, I said, Chuck, we've just spent 50 minutes going through all the horrible things going on in the world, all the problems. You know, I'm getting nothing compared to what we see today. I said, after 50 minutes, why are you still smiling? <laughs> why are you smiling? And he said, because there's hope. There's hope in Jesus Christ. There's hope for this world because these things have been predicted ahead of time. Jesus said, so when they do happen, remember he told his disciples in the upper room, when these things that I predict will happen, you will now believe me because I've told you ahead of time. And so as we look at the world today, all, what I'm trying to get across tonight more than anything, there's so many things coming at us left and right. If you didn't know the Lord, if you didn't have the Bible, you didn't know all these things are going to happen, you would, you would go crazy. You would have to medicate yourself day and night, you know, to, to, to bury your head in the sand because of the things coming on the world. But because we know Jesus, we can be confident, we can be firm in our belief, we can testify with the peace of God, with the hope that we have something not only true in this life, but something better coming in the next life. So we are God's people, his Christian soldiers, fighting with spiritual weapons, fighting the battle, and at the end of the day, he is going to help us win the battle because we are in him. So basically, again, with so much going on, you read these stories, and there's so, so many more we could have talked about. Here's the bottom line. Be of good cheer. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid because we're going to win in the end. When you get beaten down, when you get you know hit from every side, remember the Lord Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He's still running the show. 
And one day, we're going to be seeing him. And hopefully, when we do see him, we'll hear those wonderful words, Matthew 25, 21, and 23 say, when he looks at us and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. So the time of waiting for the Lord is a time of working, to get the gospel out, to tell people the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has come, died for the sins of the world, come back from the dead, and gives eternal life for anyone who will put their faith and their trust in him. That remains our message. But as we see the signs around us, all these things going on, like we'll, have, we'll, we'll talk more at this prophecy conference in June, you'll understand that we're getting very, very close to the end. But the closer we get, two things are going to happen. It's going to get darker and lighter at the same time. But at the end of the day, in one sense, it doesn't matter. Because according to the book of Revelation, gang, we indeed win. All right? All right. Let us, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we look at the world and we just shake our heads. We, we, we see, you know, government officials pushing abortion on demand, infanticide. We see people pushing anti-Semitism, anti-Christianity uh, everywhere around the world. We look around and we see things that we can, in our wildest imagination, think the world would ever do, but we're seeing it happen right now. Now, we're thankful, Lord, you've warned us ahead of times about these things, the lawlessness, the violence in the last days. And the fact is, we are going to be objects of persecution by those out there because we believe in you. Lord, give us the grace, the strength to stand firm. Give us the grace to be your men and women, boys and girls in this day, to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ wherever we're at, whether at home, at school, around the neighborhood, and be that man, woman, boy, or girl you'd have us to be. Uh, help us put on that armor of God, the sword of the Spirit, the breastplate of righteousness with the shield of faith, and again, the word of God, knowing that and telling the truth about the message of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you that we know that we win in the end. But in the meantime, Lord, we are in a battle. We recognize that, and we know it's a time for us to do a job for you out here. Help us, invigorate us to get back on the battlefield if we've kind of laxed a little bit tonight and back in the game with a spiritual battle that's going on because we know the time is short, and we know the closer we get to the end, the darker it's going to get. Thank you for giving us the victory in Jesus, for it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.